This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Weather whiplash. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, get ready to ride the meteorological roller coaster. After near record highs today, our temperatures will drop like a rock tomorrow. A very strong cold front will arrive around lunchtime. And once that front goes through, temperatures are going to drop extremely fast. We're going to go from the low to mid 60s late morning to the low 30s by mid-afternoon and then into the 20s by evening. Meteorologist John Hitchcock at the National Weather Service in Buffalo. So we have a very sharp temperature drop. The rain might change the snow for a brief hour or two before it ends and also strong winds. As you can imagine with a temperature change like that that's being driven by strong winds, we might see gusts up to 60 miles per hour tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening. Hitchcock says the sudden dip in temperatures could lead to flash freezing, but as we mentioned yesterday, the cold won't hold. We're back in the 50s and 60s to end the work week. Could it be Nikki Haley's last stand? It's great to be here in Michigan. The GOP White House hopeful is in the Wolverine State for today's Michigan presidential primary. Reporter Ed O'Keefe. Haley has promised to stay in the race through Super Tuesday when voters in 15 states go to the polls. But a key finance source is drying up. Americans for Prosperity Action, backed by the billionaire Koch brothers, says it'll no longer spend millions to help Haley because it doesn't think she has a path to victory after the loss in South Carolina. Haley insists despite her loss in South Carolina, she is still the best candidate to beat President Biden. Donald Trump did not get 40% of the vote, and that's the same thing that happened in Iowa, that's the same thing that happened in New Hampshire, and that should be a red flag for Republicans everywhere. Haley's planning a nine-state campaign swing heading into Super Tuesday. President Biden, meantime, facing his own primary challenges in Michigan today. It's because of his support of the state of Israel. Correspondent Gabe Gutierrez. President Biden facing fierce backlash from the state's huge Arab-American population, demanding he support a ceasefire in Gaza. Some now plan to vote uncommitted in protest. There are 16 delegates at stake today in Michigan, a state that Donald Trump won in 2016, but lost to President Biden in 2020. A meeting of the minds at the White House today, as President Biden huddles with the big four congressional leaders just days ahead of a partial government shutdown. One quarter of the U.S. government runs out of money on Friday, unless Congress acts. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Do the right thing and keep the government open. I hope the House continues to work with us in good faith to make that happen. My position to my colleagues on Capitol Hill is clear. You either secure the border or you get no money for the government. Florida Congressman Byron Donald says our border must take precedent over Ukraine's border. A $95 billion aid package for Ukraine and Israel, all part of today's negotiations. More from reporter Nancy Cordes on Capitol Hill. If Congress doesn't pass a funding bill by Friday, the departments of agriculture, energy and transportation are all going to run out of money with the departments of defense and justice set to run out 
next Friday. The president and former president both visit the southern border on the same day this week. Matt Piper has those details. Mr. Biden was asked about the trip during a visit to New York City to be on a late night talk show. Plan to go Thursday. What I didn't know is uh, my good friend apparently is gone. Mr. Biden will visit Brownsville, Texas to meet with Border Patrol agents, law enforcement and local leaders. Trump is expected to be about 300 miles away in Eagle Pass, Texas. Matt Piper, New York. A funeral service happens this Friday for Lakin Riley. She's the 22-year-old Georgia nursing student who was murdered while jogging last week. Police say the killer is an illegal immigrant from Venezuela. Texas Senator Ted Cruz. And I'm here to tell you right now that is the direct result of policy and political decisions by Joe Biden and by Democrats. They should have put him on a plane and sent him back to Venezuela immediately, but they didn't. The suspect entered the country illegally back in 2022, is being held without bail. President Biden says a six-week ceasefire between Israel and Hamas could be struck as soon as Monday. Correspondent Trey Yinkst has more on that from the Middle East. Now, one Hamas official today, though, pushed back against this, saying that the president's optimism was premature since there are still many disagreements on what such a deal would look like. The commander-in-chief said a March 4th target for the pause in fighting, which reports indicate would see some hostages released in exchange for Palestinian prisoners. Trey Yankst in Jerusalem. At least 15 people on the cruise ship Norwegian Dawn have been isolated after contracting cholera. Correspondent Jim Crisula. The vessel has been denied permission to dock in the Indian Ocean nation of Mauritius off East Africa. Some on board developed stomach problems after visiting South Africa in mid-February. There have been a number of deadly cholera outbreaks in that region since early last year. Still to come on the Noon Report, a Tuesday edition, zoo deaths in Pittsburgh, a redo on redistricting, and getting a grip on gambling. Well, good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. Buckle your seatbelt. We're in for quite a ride over the next couple of days weather-wise. I'll detail the forecast coming up. We'll see in 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, see you then. The trend, however, is your friend if you're no fan of winter weather. Even though we're going to have some active weather this week, we are looking at long-range charts that bring us right back to super mild. WGRZ meteorologist Patrick Hammer. So no signs of winter at all. We have one day of cool this week. And yes, there will be a few snowflakes, but a few days after that, we're back to the 60s. So is it time to write winter's obituary? Well, Hammer says better not. Some of our worst snowstorms happen during the months of March and April. It's back to the drawing board after New York Democrats rejected a new look congressional map for the 2024 election. For the second time in three years, Albany Democrats are poised to draw new congressional maps, having once again rejected those drawn by the Independent Redistricting Commission. Unprecedented, unscripted, unpredictable. Jeffrey Weiss is a professor at New York Law School and an expert on the state's redistricting process. He says districts tailor-made for Democrats could help the party, which is within six seats of regaining control of the U.S. House. Open the door to the Republicans going back to court and challenging the map all over again. With the election less than four months away, they have to work fast. June 25th primary, but with more delay and uncertainty, we could see a primary for Congress in August or September. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. 
Thank you, Sarah. Pennsylvania ranked in nearly $6 billion in revenue from gambling last year. Now the Shapiro administration's kicked off a public awareness campaign designed to educate people about the addictive nature of games of chance. Gambling, like alcohol and tobacco, is legal, but sometimes can become a problem. Kelly Primus is Deputy Secretary of the State Office of Drug and Alcohol Programs. Experts say due to the proliferation of gambling, addicts are becoming more prevalent and many suffer from their addiction in secret. Our main role is basically focusing on helping anybody who's struggling with gambling-related issues across the Commonwealth. Joshua Coley's director of the Council on Compulsive Gambling in Pennsylvania. He says calls to his 24-hour gambling addiction hotline have tripled the past year. Claire Yantis with the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board. There's no doubt that access to gambling venues in Pennsylvania has significantly grown in the past several years due to the legalization of sports wagering and online gambling. Critics argue the state is expressing concern over a problem that it created by expanding gambling in the first place. Experts say many times it takes the intervention of a loved one for the addiction to stop. It really comes down to the loved ones also pushing them to get help, right? So a lot of times the problem gambler can't see that they need help, nor will they take that step to go get help. One in three gamblers in Pennsylvania, by the way, admit they have a gambling addiction problem. Police in Buffalo, New York, have released the body cam footage of an officer-involved shooting from over the weekend. Cops killed a man who fired at them with a 12-gauge shotgun while standing in the middle of the street. Police were called to the scene by that very man, identified as 58-year-old Edward Holmes. Buffalo Police Commissioner Joseph Gramalia explains the rules of engagement for cops in a situation like that. You're taught to shoot center mass and shoot to end the threat. When you've got someone that's armed with a deadly weapon, you're going to shoot until that threat is over. Authorities are calling it suicide by cop. The two officers involved in the fatal shooting are on paid administrative leave until an attorney general investigation is complete. Two people accused of operating a benefits trafficking ring in Pennsylvania. Details on that from Family Life's Brian Query. The office of the state inspector general said Monday that Marie Regist and Dukins Paul, owners of a mini-mart in Chambersburg, stole nearly $185,000 from the state's Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. The state's investigation found that the two had purchased SNAP benefits for approximately half of their value from SNAP recipients over a one-and-a-half-year period, where dozens of welfare recipients exchanged their EBT benefits for cash or non-food goods. Both are facing jail time and hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, Brian, thank you for that. The Pittsburgh Zoo says none of the recent deaths of animals are attributed to human error. The past seven months, that zoo's reported the deaths of a gorilla, an elephant, a red panda, a lion, and just last week, an 18-year-old sea lion named Seahawk. The zoo's president says each animal death was reviewed internally and that none involved errors on behalf of the animal's caregivers. A Syracuse, New York businessman is on his way to communist Cuba for a short-term missions trip. We do everything from microfinance to uh, pastoral support to church plant. Come alongside the Cuban pastors, encourage them, love on them, to enable them, to help them mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, and to help build the kingdom there in Cuba. Dan Sorber's been making a half dozen of these trips to the island every year for the past 16 years. There's still some 
oppression. There's still some persecution. It's still a very, very difficult place for the Cuban brothers and sisters and pastors and planning churches. But uh, my experience is, is that the Cuban government has really relaxed the persecution. Religious freedom uh, is much, much better than it was 16 years ago. Sorber and his team leaves tomorrow for Havana. They'll return to the States next week. We'll be talking more with him next week on our Hometown Heroes edition of The Noon Report. Sports is next. We call it the two-minute drill on Family Life. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob in Madison Square Garden last night. Jalen Brunson brought his A game, and the Knicks needed all of it. Brunson poured in 35 points to lead all scorers, and he dished out 12 assists. The Knicks squeaked past the Pistons 113 to 111. Josh Hart chipped in with 23 points, and Dante DiVincenzo had 21. The game did end in controversy, however, after DiVincenzo plowed into a Detroit player as they were both going for a loose ball. It happened with eight seconds left in Detroit up 111 to 110. There was no call on the play. After the game, the ref said they blew the call and a foul should have been assessed on DiVincenzo, but it didn't happen. Detroit lost because of it. The Brooklyn Nets put the brakes on a four-game skid with an easy 111-86 victory over the Grizzlies. All five of the Nets starters scored in double figures. Toronto outpaced the Pacers 130-122, and the Heat beat Sacramento 121-110. On the ice, the Islanders scored when it mattered most and beat the Stars in overtime 3-2. Bo Horvath notched his 23rd goal of the season three minutes into the overtime period, and that gave New York the victory. Ryan Pulak and Kyle McLean also scored for the Isles. The Caps doubled up Ottawa 6-3. The Kraken won in a shootout over Boston 4-3, and the Oilers down the Kings 4-2. Preseason baseball, both New York teams won. The Yankees over the Twins 9-2. The Mets over the Nats 6-3. Both Pennsylvania teams lost. The Phillies fall into the Red Sox 7-6. Pirates to the Jays 8-4. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Mann. Still to come on the Noon Report. Band in Vermont. Primary Day in Michigan. And Leap Day giveaway. Welcome to Breakpoint. A daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Fewer people today are raising children. Now, the verb raise is apt despite the long-standing insistence and style guides that the correct verb here is actually to rear. Farmers raise crops and animals, activities vital for any society that hopes to, well, have food. Of course, not everyone needs to farm, especially since industrialization has made food production so much more efficient. However, some percentage of the population has to or will starve. This is an example of a shared responsibility of citizens, an activity that no specific individual is obligated to do, but that many individuals must choose to do if the society is to survive. Raising corn and cows isn't only about making a living. It's about feeding people. And in the same way, not everyone can or will choose to raise children, but many people have to if a society is to have a future. In fact, the majority must. The number of children born each year does not equal or exceed the number of people who die. The population will age and shrink. 
This is the current situation basically all across the developed world. And a major factor behind this predicament we face is that we've largely forgotten how to speak of shared responsibilities today. Our choices, especially when it comes to sexuality and to relationships, are seen in hyper-individualistic terms. We hardly ever ask how our choices will affect our neighbors, both born and unborn, much less how it will affect our society in the decades to come. Instead, we tend to focus on whether a choice will fulfill me, if it will make me happy, if it will serve my goals and dreams as an individual. Increasingly, marriage and childbearing are being evaluated through this individualistic lens, and the overwhelming conclusion is that a family will not fulfill or make us happy or serve our goals and dreams as radical individuals. This blinkered cost-benefit analysis, as writers like Louise Perry have pointed out, especially when repeated in tens of millions of households, is leaving much of the developed world quote-unquote sterile. The long-term consequences of this sterility are no secret. As the New York Times even admitted, the world's population is likely to peak this century and after that to rapidly decline. See, children challenge the secular, hyper-individualistic worldview to its core. They present an immediate shared responsibility that directs us beyond material gain and personal fulfillment to far higher ideals. Simply put, more people must, and they should marry, and they must, and they should have children, if society is in fact to survive. The reluctance of secular writers to dare to say this, even in the face of devastating population decline, exposes a critical flaw in their beliefs, that some values are bigger than individuals. The future will belong to those who admit this fact and who allow it to shape their choices. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. And for more resources that live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Thank you, John. Let's take things outside. Next, meteorologist Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast this afternoon. It will be mild, plenty of clouds, a little bit of sun, and a few scattered showers. Temperatures this afternoon near record highs in the mid-50s to the mid-60s, dropping back only toward 50 tonight. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy with rain showers, some claps of thunder, high temps 60 or above for many. The temperature plunges late in the day. Rain turns to ice and snow with a flash freeze for some tomorrow night. Thursday, much, much colder. High temperatures on Thursday, mid-20s to the mid-30s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. Weather whiplash is our top story today, Tuesday, the 27th of February. Correspondent Priscilla Thompson says 100 cities nationwide will break record highs today, including some in our listening area. But as Kevin mentioned earlier change is coming. After hitting 80 today, St. Louis will drop to 38 degrees by Wednesday. As Chicago and New York prepare to see temps plummet more than 20 degrees in a 12-hour span. Today, show meteorologist Al Roker says dangerous wind gusts will accompany our sudden shift in temperatures expected around noontime tomorrow. This cold front is going to bring severe weather for 41 million people from Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Columbus, Paducah. We're talking wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour. Roker says you'll be good to go in a t-shirt at lunchtime on Wednesday, but you'll want the winter jacket by dinner time. That's how fast things will change tomorrow. Watch out as well for flash freezing due to that sudden temperature drop. It's primary day in Michigan, the first battleground state to hold a nominating contest in the 2024 race for the White House. Former President Donald Trump expected to cruise to victory over Nikki Haley 
only and remain undefeated going into Super Tuesday a week from today. Haley's vowed to remain in this race so long as the campaign cash continues to pour in. We raised a million dollars in 24 hours after the election in South Carolina. We are continuing to see the dollars come in because Americans want a voice and we're giving them that voice. And as long as Americans want me to be that voice, I will continue to fight for them. On the Democratic side, President Biden is facing a protest vote in the Michigan primary today because of the war in Gaza. Michigan has a large Arab American population. Many don't like the president's support of the state of Israel. Last night, Mr. Biden told talk show host Seth Meyers that a six-week ceasefire deal could be a done deal as soon as Monday in the Middle East. There are still 134 hostages being held in Gaza by the terror group Hamas. The New York State Legislature's rejected new-look congressional maps, and that may have thrown a monkey wrench into the 2024 election calendar. Democrats didn't like the map that was proposed by the Independent Redistricting Commission, saying it gives too much power to incumbents. Here's State Senator Mike Gianaris. I will be voting in the negative and look forward to working with my colleagues in the Assembly to uh, come up with a better product. Republicans argue the near-unanimous decision by the Redistricting Commission should have counted for something. Long Island Senator Jack Martin thinks Democrats are playing politics here. These maps are drawn meticulously. They're drawn in conformance with law. The state legislature must now create its own maps, and that's expected to lead to court challenges, which could push back New York's June primary. President Biden hosting the big four congressional leaders at the White House right now, as lawmakers once again are forced to find a way to keep the government from shutting down. On Capitol Hill, here's Scott McFarland. The deadline is pressing. March 1st, this Friday, one quarter of the federal government shuts down if there's no deal. Then the next Friday, March 8th, the other three quarters, including the Pentagon, suffer shutdowns. House Republicans insist any foreign aid deals include better border security here at home. President Biden and former President Trump will both be at the border on Thursday. Biden will be in Brownsville, Texas. Trump is in Eagle Pass, about 300 miles away. The trips come as the president considers executive action to restrict asylum access at the southern border. A new Fox News poll shows a majority of Americans now, 53%, support the building of a border wall. A Vermont Christian school has been kicked out of the state high school basketball tournament for refusing to compete against a girls team that had a boy on it. Boys just play at a different speed, yeah. a different force you know, than the girls play at. It's a different game. Chris Goodwin is the head coach at the Mid-Vermont Christian School. We decided that instead of going against our religious beliefs that, you know, that there are differences between male and female. And we are created differently. We decided to forfeit that game and uh, withdraw from the tournament. At that point, the state of Vermont governing body kicked us out of all athletic competitions in the state. He says player safety issues arise whenever boys are allowed to compete against girls. Ryan Tucker is an attorney for Alliance Defending Freedom. The state is completely failing to consider the biological reality here, the, the health 
and safety consequences. And and we filed a lawsuit on it. We're, we're very confident that we're going to prevail. Tucker says the tournament ban amounts to discrimination against that Christian school in Vermont. Schools in Texas have until the end of the week to decide if they want to allow chaplains to act as school guidance counselors. Viv Perez is with the Texas Freedom Network. This legislation was intended to help rural communities that do not have the proper resources or funding or are lacking counselors. She says there's been a lot of confusion about this newly signed law. More districts are saying no than yes to the counselor chaplain idea. Many are concerned it might constitute a violation of the separation of church and state. If you hire a chaplain, does that mean that you're only hiring chaplains of one specific religion over another? But backers say hiring chaplains as guidance counselors fills a critical need in schools today. They do not believe those chaplains would use their role to proselytize. The Albert Einstein School of Medicine in the Bronx is about to be tuition-free. A former professor there named Dr. Ruth Gottsman has just given the school a billion dollars. That's billion with a B. Tuition had been over $59,000 a year there. The 93-year-old Gottsman is the widow of a Wall Street investor. She's been affiliated with the college for more than 50 years. If you're having trouble figuring out what's for dinner tonight, well, Kellogg's has a suggestion. When I say cereal, you say dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Cereal. Dinner. Kellogg's CEO Gary Pilnick says people should eat cereal for dinner to save money on soaring food costs. He told CNBC last week that it's much more affordable and helps out when consumers are under pressure. Kellogg's has been pushing cereal for dinner since 2022 when it started a campaign with the tagline, Give Chicken the Night Off. Chicken! You can uh, have the night off, chicken. Oh, okay, I'll go marinate. Cereal! Dinner. Cereal! Dinner. I'm Michael Kastner. Okay, Michael, and with that, let's uh, switch gears and say you're listening to The Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster, and this week's guest is Bill Madison, founder of Chautauqua County's COPE Foundation 19. COPE stands for Children of Opioid Parents and Empowerment and is dedicated to helping children who've lost parents to the opioid crisis, including Madison's adult son, Justin, a father of three. Five years and a month ago, my son was 29 years old and he had an overdose of heroin with fentanyl. Fentanyl was beginning to be the big crave for drug addicts and the big death to the drug addicts. And my son was one of those. He was a recreational drug abuser, not one that looked or acted like a drug addict. He held three jobs, had his own apartment, very pleasant, but depression put him over the edge. So when he died, I didn't know how to handle it. It devastated my life to where everything stopped or went on hold. My pastor at um, Harvest Chapel in Fredonia, he said, you're going to find something good to come of this. Well, at that time, I wanted to strangle him for those words. But as time went on, I reflected on Jesus, and it was in time, and there was a story behind everything, and there was a purpose. So months later, I reflected on Pastor Jim's comment, and I decided to create COPE Foundation 19, and it's been a large success in many ways to children, high school age, and down. We only work with that age group because usually it's always focused on the drug addict and the adults and older teens. We work with what I call the residual effect, which is the children who are struggling being around these people. Take us uh, through the process. We have what they call the circle of light. We start off by doing intake. 
and then we work with them and their guardians. Once they've passed, we get them out of the house and do something positive and constructive. There's four elements to our circle of life. Social interaction, we take them out, send them to a splash lagoon or water park, hiking, something that they can do to de-stress and focus on positive with positive people. After that, the client and the guardian verbally commit to a minimum of one year of services with us and a minimum of 12 counseling services. We take them to a licensed counseling service out of Jamestown, New York, Christian Counseling Association, CCA, licensed to work with trauma-based children and teens. As that process goes, counselors are allowed to share with us certain bits of information, which brings us to the third part, which is physical healing. We take them out of their normal environment, enroll them in an activity or event that they really like. I own a karate studio here in town. A lot of them want to sign up for karate. We pay for everything for one year. Some are in music, some are in arts, with hopes that they're going to see another side to their life, better peer, better environments, and they feel better with themselves. It helps them be more successful and purposeful in the future. And the fourth element, I call it mental health, which is really just an evaluation of the whole process. Every four months, we do a survey with them and verify how they're doing, how we're doing, how their services are, and how we can improve. We're rather new three and a half years into this, and we always want advice. What have you seen in terms of demand for service there in Chautauqua County, and how has that awareness impacted uh, available funding for your programs? In the county, the numbers have gone up higher, and being that um, uh, fentanyl is a huge thing, what we're seeing now, especially in the north county of Chautauqua County, is a huge, huge doubled rate of cocaine with fentanyl. Some call that a speedball. I call it insane because cocaine is a speed. Fentanyl is bringing you down. So you are ding, 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 bouncing up and down, which can adversely affect your heart rate and bring you to death much quicker. That is happening here huge, and it is due to fentanyl. We do have a grant writer. Prior to 2024, we had about a 90% approval rate for grants for children. And now in 2024, there's only approximately 25%. So with that happening, we have the same number of children that need our service or have our service, but the money is cut down about 70%, which means we are asking people if they are interested in sponsoring. We are finding other avenues for funding by doing events. With us, it's an average of $2,800 per client to put them through all of these services, and we're not going to stop. Yes, it's hard to get the funds now, but there's always a way. God will provide, and I stick to that. I never would have thought we'd be where we are and serving as many people and getting people interested in partnering with us. I'm just blown away and grateful. That's Bill Madison, founder of Chautauqua County's Cope Foundation 19, dedicated to helping children who've lost parents to the opioid crisis. Their website is copefoundation19.com. Please join us again next week as we search for your home, your town, your hero. It's Hometown Heroes on Family Law. All right, excellent work as always. Thank you, Mark. Hometown Heroes comes your way Tuesdays during the Noon Report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Well, good afternoon to all. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Feeling a lot like spring out there this afternoon, but some changes are ahead. A potent cold front is on the way, and it's going to produce some rather fast changing inclement conditions down the road. So let's spell things out in forecast form for this afternoon. 
it will be mild. Plenty of clouds, a little bit of sun, and a few scattered showers that'll be in the area into tonight. Could be a rumble of thunder near Lake Erie. Temperatures this afternoon near record highs in the mid-50s to the mid-60s, dropping back only toward 50 tonight. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy with rain showers, some claps of thunder. Warm for a while, high temps 60 or above for many. The temperature plunges late in the day. Rain turns to ice and snow with a flash freeze for some tomorrow night. Thursday, much, much colder. Sun, clouds, flurries, some lake snow southeast of Lake Ontario. High temperatures on Thursday, mid-20s to the mid-30s. All right, Kevin, and finally noon, it only happens once every four years, folks. Leap Day's coming up the day after tomorrow. If you've ever wondered why we need a Leap Day, well, wonder no longer. Reporter Thomas Cage takes us to school. February 29th, Leap Day. It exists only because the seasons were falling out of alignment with the calendar and Easter was moving away from its traditional date of March 21st. By 1582, Easter was a 11 days off the mark. Pope Gregory XIII unveiled a new calendar that would fix it in 1582. Despite this ingenious method for syncing the calendar with the seasons, his system is still off by 26 seconds. As a result, in the years since Gregory introduced his calendar, a discrepancy of several hours has arisen. But you're going to have to wait until the year 4909 when the Gregorian calendar will be a full day ahead of the solar year. I'm Thomas Cage. Fascinating stuff. Thank you, Thomas. Now, to celebrate Leap Day, Tops is offering folks who are born on February 29th a sweet treat. The grocery chain says folks who provide a valid ID or birth certificate proving that they they are a leapling, can get a free four-pack of Topps Cupcakes. The offer is good through March 2nd. And that's the world we live in, Tuesday, February 27th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.